The reading is from Matthew chapter 24, starting at verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is, is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions, but suppose that servant is wicked and says to, to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow, fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place of the hypocrites, where, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you, Sam, so much. That's really brilliant. Thanks very much indeed for reading that so clearly. That's a great help. And we're starting a new series. If you're here for the first time, it's a great moment to choose because we're starting a new series called Ready. And we're looking at Matthew's Gospel, chapters 24 and 25. It's a new four-week series, and we're going to be thinking about that part of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, you'll find that part of the Bible inside the service sheet if you're looking for it, and you want to follow along. And there's just a short um, section there to make some notes if you want to. There's also a box on the back if you want one thing to take away from today that you want to remember during the course of the week. Write in that box, stick it in your back pocket, and you'll discover it later on in the week. It's a great way to learn. Well, before we go any further, we're going to stop and pray. If you're a praying person, why don't you join me as I pray? Let's pray. Some words from Psalm 145. That's what it says. 
the Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Oh, Father God, Lord in heaven, I, I pray that as we come to your word that we would find you to be righteous and faithful. And I pray that we would remember that, that you are near to every single person who calls on you. So I pray that today will be a day that we call on you in truth. And I pray, Father, you come near to us in your word this afternoon. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, well, um, I don't know how often you think about the end of the world. I don't know that's something that you, that you think about. Uh, maybe think about it a bit more often than you did before the pandemic. Uh, that, would be, um, that would be quite usual. I read, a, um, I read a, an interview um, just last week with someone called J.P. Sachs. You, you, might, you might know a song, If the World Was Ending, uh, released in 2019. Quite an obscure song, didn't really do very well in the charts, uh, about the Los Angeles earthquake, which was exactly two years ago, July the 4th. But lockdown turned it into a massive hit. And suddenly everyone was watching it. The YouTube uh, uh, the YouTube video has been watched 142 million times now. And people have put loads of comments underneath it like this. Um, this song hits different now that the world is literally shutting down. Finally, I found my pandemic song. Is it usual to cry every time you listen? Really hit a nerve with people. It seemed like the whole world was... Um, was going wrong with the pandemic. I don't know how often you think about the end of the world. Is that something that sort of uh, that you, you think through from time to time? Maybe when you think about climate change, that sort of heat dome over Canada, 50 degrees centigrade, is that right? Um, nuclear war, uh, warheads proliferating, uh, the West sort of squaring up against China, um, pollution. So, um, I've said this before, but I just can't get over this. In, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, there is an island made out of waste plastic, which is the same size as France. That's shocking, isn't it? Think about pollution, or you think about astronomy, you think about the Earth being hit by an asteroid, or in billions of years' time, the Earth's just going to collapse into the sun. I wonder how often you think about the end of the world. Because it turns out that the writer of this gospel thinks quite a lot about the end of the world. Matthew, and he devotes two whole chapters to it, chapters 24 and 25 um, in the Bible. And they talk about this time when Jesus is going to come back a second time. He's already been once, and he left saying that he was going to return. And, and Christians don't always agree on the exact sequence of events uh, and, and how things are going to happen, the exact timetable at the end of time. Um, but it's very clear from the Bible that Jesus is going to come back. And, and the timetable by, by chapter 24, verse 36, by the time we get to our section, um, uh, all of that's been discussed. And, and we come onto a new subject. And, and the question is this, given that Jesus is coming back, how are we going to wait for him? What does it mean to wait for Jesus until his return? What does it mean for us now? What are we going to do about it? Now, in J.P. Sachs' song, uh, if you know it, If the World's Ending, um, it's all about how he wants to be together with his girlfriend. 
uh, when he thinks about the end of the world. He's saying that that's what matters to him most. That's his functional God, I guess. That's what he worships in his life. But when we think about the end of the world, then who do we run to and, and what do we think about? That's the question. How do we show that we're ready? And, uh, and Matthew answers that in four different ways. We're going to look at that over the next, um, uh, well, today and over the next three weeks. But this first section that we're looking at, 24, 36 to 51, says this. We show that we're ready for the end of the world by serving God's servants. We show that we're ready for the end of the world by serving God's servants. And I, I, I really want you to be convinced that that's what the Bible says. So um, um, keep that service sheet open in front of you. And I'm going to point out three things from this section of Matthew 24. And uh, see if you agree. We're giving each one of these a heading. And here's the first. Be ready. We don't know when it will happen. So be ready. We don't know when it will happen. Um, I don't know whether you've seen the, uh, the quiz show QI. Uh, it's a bit niche. It's quite good fun. Uh, they have a round called General Ignorance. If you've seen it, you might know that. And that's things that we're supposed to know, but actually we don't. So um, apparently there is something that rhymes with orange. Who knew that? And um, Abraham Lincoln was not the first president of the, of, of the United States. It's complicated, apparently. And uh, you have ten senses, not five. I mean, who knew that? It's amazing what you don't know. And, and these verses are all about what you don't know. It's interesting. So verses 36 to 44 are all about what you don't know. Have a look down at that. So verse 36, um, no one knows. It says, uh, verse 39, they knew nothing. Verse 42, you do not know. Verse 43, if the owner of the house had known it's all about what, 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 what we're ignorant of, general ignorance. And, and even Jesus, it says in verse 36, in his earthly ministry, didn't know the day or the hour that he was coming back. Um, Jesus wants us to know what we don't know. We need to be aware of that. Donald Rumsfeld died this week, is that right? And uh, he would have talked about known unknowns. Here are some known unknowns. We don't know when it will happen. But there is going to be a day, and it's going to be like the day of Noah's flood. Uh, maybe you know that part of the Bible in Genesis chapter 6. Uh, you know that it was um, a time of corruption when, when people were living for themselves. It says in Genesis chapter 6, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. That's quite a negative assessment, isn't it? But really, the, the point that Matthew's making in chapter 24 is that the flood came on a completely ordinary day. It was completely ordinary. Verse 38, have a look down at that. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, they were marrying, being given in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the, until the flood came. So people were you know, dancing to songs, they were getting ready to go to their best friend's wedding. People were getting hired and fired. They were, I don't know what you like to do, a weekend, cook a fried egg sandwich and drink your Diet Coke. You know, what, what, whatever it was. But it was just an ordinary day. That's the point. Just a completely standard day. And, and all of us live like that, don't we? I mean, we have to in one sense. You know, assuming that today will be roughly the same as, 
uh, as yesterday. All of us have to assume that. I mean, slightly different clothes, you know, slightly different weather, slightly different news headlines, um, a slightly different football tournament, whatever it is, you know, going on all the time. But it's largely the same. And that was, that was what it was like in, in Noah's day. I mean, there was this crazy guy, Noah, and he was building a massive boat in his, in his, in his front garden. But, I mean, every village has an eccentric. And uh, if your village doesn't have an eccentric, it's probably you. Okay? And uh, this is the point. In Noah's day, life was completely normal until normal came to an end. And in the same way, one day, might be very soon, uh, we'll, um, we'll assume that we're going to have a normal day and we won't because it will be the end of the world. And, and Jesus' return will, will, will be like the flood, unexpected. And it will be like a burglary. That's what, that's what Matthew says. That's verse 43. Have a look down at that. Understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not let his house be broken into. That makes sense, doesn't it? So, I mean, if you live long enough, one day you will get broken into. Uh, it happened to, happened to me when I was a student. We were in a, a house share in Lower Clapton, Ickborough Road. Classic, yeah. And um, they've, someone came, I'd been about three o'clock in the morning, I think, we reckon, and they forced the door open and they stole a mountain bike. Uh, in fact, they, they moved my bike out of the way and then they stole the mountain bike behind it, which was obviously a relief, but just a tiny bit insulting at the time. But the point is this, if we'd known that they were coming, then we could have stopped them. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I would have taken them on, but my housemate Frankie, he was crazy. He would have done anything. Somehow we would have stopped them coming. Now, the point is this, burglars just don't tell you when they're coming. That's not, that's not part of their training, you know. And um, we don't know when it will happen. And, and, and so we need to be ready. Verse 42, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Keep watch, we don't know when. But there's a flip side to that too, and this is the second point from the same verses. It says, be ready, we do know what will happen. So we don't know when it's going to happen, but we do know what's going to happen. And, and we know, first of all, and, and this is a bit sobering, it's going to be a day of radical destruction. So when, when Jesus comes back, the day of return will be destructive. And, and the chapter's begun with Jesus talking about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. That's verses 1 and 2. You'll see them up on the screen. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him and called his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Thrown down. That's a destructive word. Torn to pieces. Totally destroyed. And it turns out that that's just the beginning uh, in Matthew 24 and, and 25. And that the return of Jesus will, will sweep people away like the flood. Or it says in, um, in verse 39 that people are going to be swept away. 
like they were in the flood. Um, I've got Amy's first Bible here. Uh, this is the, the Bible we used to read with Amy. It's got a little bit of artwork in the front. Well done, Amy. That's very good. And um, uh, the, the account of Noah, actually, the first, it's been scribbled on a bit, and the first page has been torn out. Um, but here's, here's the account from Amy's Bible um, of, of Noah's flood. Soon rain began to fall. The raindrops made little puddles, then bigger puddles. The big puddles became streams, then rushing rivers, then sloshing seas. And then we go on to talk about the animals. Oh, who doesn't love puddles? Huh? I mean, they're, they're great things, aren't they? But, but really, it was a day of great destruction when, when people were swept away. Verse 39, and it says, And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood. The, the word for flood in the original is the word that gives us the word in English, cataclysm. Cataclysm. It was cataclysmic. And it came in and took them away. Previous verse, boy meets girl, girl meets boy. They're very happy. Then the cataclysm comes. In the next verse, it, it'll be a day of sudden destruction. That's what the Bible says. And it wants to warn us. Uh, and it says it will be a day of sudden division. So have a look down at verse 40, sudden division. So two people in a field, probably in those days, because you took on your, your dad's industry. Um, uh, it might be a father and son, might be two brothers. It tends to be kept in the family. When the end comes, one of them's gone. They're gone. They're taken away by the returning Jesus or taken away in judgment. We... For the purposes of this text, it doesn't really matter, does it? They're separated. That's the thing. They're suddenly divided. They, they're they're, they're going to go in different directions. Well, verse 41, have a look down at that. Verse 41. Two women grinding with a handmill. Uh, that picture on the front, it, on the screen, if you're wondering what that was, is an ancient handmill. And, uh, and, and what you do is um, you put it between you and you both sit cross-legged. Uh, and then one person pulls it 380 degrees and you hand over to the other person they pull it 380 degrees and then you but the point is that you're physically very close and you're united in in the one task one person will be taken and the other left yeah sudden division we we don't know when it will happen but we know what what will happen so be ready verse 44 be ready this is what, what it says. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man, that's the name for Jesus, will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And you know, sometimes we get our priorities all wrong. Sometimes we just get our priorities wrong. So I remember my mum saying to me um, in the morning that I should put on clean underpants in case I get knocked over by a car. Now, did your parents tell you that, or was it just my mum? Uh, yeah, it's a couple of nods. I mean, no criticism of my mum. But the priority is to make sure that you don't get knocked over by a car, surely, rather than, you know, to, to make sure the underwear is particularly clean. Sometimes it's all about priorities, isn't it? Um, and, and, and let me say this seriously. Um, please make sure that you're ready. That has to be a priority. Um, I mean, there may well be um, people here or people listening online 
who have sorted out their breakdown cover, they've got life insurance, but they haven't made sure that they're ready for this day. They're not prepared to meet Jesus. And, you know, that, maybe that person hasn't made peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ, through his death on, on, on their part. Um, and I, I just want to speak to you directly and say this. All it takes is a prayer based on good evidence. That's all it takes. A prayer that says something like, look, Jesus, I've wrongly walked away from you. Um, I'm responsible for that. But I know that you've paid for me to come back to you and that the way is completely open. So please forgive me. Accept me again so that I can meet you one day as a friend, not an enemy. That's quicker than, that's quicker than sorting out life insurance in, in in, in my experience, but it's quite a lot more humbling because you have to accept it for free. But if you say, um, well, not yet, maybe on my deathbed, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really mess up my life, I'm going to wait till, till I'm ready, it's just not a convenient time, then that ordinary day is going to begin, maybe very soon, and it'll be a day just like any other, and then Jesus will come back. And, and having a Christian friend won't help you you see, however close you are to them, it won't help you in, in that scenario, even if they're very close. And I fear for you. If you haven't yet made that commitment, please get ready. Um, if you want to know more, there's a course. You can email me my, my um, emails on the back of the service sheet called Christianity Explores. But please just don't do nothing. You know, if you haven't made a commitment, please get ready. But if you would call yourself a Christian, then, then, then what does that mean for you? Well, that's where this part of Matthew's Gospel has quite a challenging ending. And this is our third and final point. Uh, have a listen to this. It comes from verses 45 to 51. Be ready and serve God's servants. Be ready and serve God's servants. Because the Bible teaches that um, all Christians are, are servants. When you become a Christian, you become a servant of Jesus Christ. That's just, that, that's just what happens. And you become a servant of other people too. So a key distinctive of Christianity is servant-heartedness. Servant-heartedness. You know, the, the clothes of Christianity aren't a dog collar and a, and a black shirt like the Vicar of Dibley. Um, it's not, you know, for the guys, it isn't you know, blue check shirt and a pair of chinos, although um, uh, a number of us are certainly wearing chinos here this afternoon. The, the, the clothes of Christianity are, if you like, a pair of rubber gloves and an apron. We just, we, we're here to serve one another. And, and, and people who wanted to respond to God used to serve in the temple. That, that was how it worked. But Jesus has just said that the temple is going to be destroyed, beginning of chapter 24. So this new arena for service is not the house of God, which is what the temple used to be called, but the household of God made up of people. And so our place now is to serve fellow Christians. And um, in Bible thinking, it's just inconceivable for someone to claim to follow Jesus and not be committed to serving his people. That just doesn't make sense in Bible thinking. See, you convinced of that? And that's why verses 45 to 51 go the way they do. So two people. First of all, the um, faithful 
and wise servant. You can catch up with him in verses 45 to 47. Um, what's his distinctive? Well, um, he serves God's servants in verse 45. Uh, he gives them their food at the proper time in this, in this particular story. Uh, but he looks after them. He cares for them. And really, verse 46 is like the last of the Beatitudes. I don't know if you know the Beatitudes that come in the Sermon on the Mount earlier on in Matthew. Uh, they all begin, blessed are thee. And this is the last of the Beatitudes in verse 46. You can't really see it in our version, but literally it says, blessed is that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns, blessed. And then get this in verse 47. <laughs> it's astonishing. The servant is put in charge of all of the master's possessions. You know, the God of the Bible is amazing, isn't he? Because he gives us the grace to respond to him and then he rewards us for it. I mean, what, what other God would treat us like that? Who would be generous like that except him? But not everyone who claims to be a Christian is like that. And uh, verses 48 to 51 make that point. There are people who, who claim to be servants, uh, and yet there's a whole lot of mistreatment going on. There's abuse going on. And that servant will be judged, it says in verse 51, most severely for the hypocrite they are. Jesus reserves his sternest words for the hypocrites that he meets. Now, what's, what's this bit saying? It's saying that the end of the world is coming, but that Christians respond in the here and now by caring for one another, by serving each other. That's what they do. Now, sadly, and, and, the, and the Bible's very honest about this, there'll, there'll be people who call themselves Christians who have gone so off track, they've become so insincere that their ministry, their serving, has become all about them. It's not really serving at all. It's self-serving. You know, so the minister, he polishes his name on the, on the door of his office. You know, the home group leader who fights to keep control of, of their home group and can't let it go. People who are trying to, trying to sort of get their own power base in a church for whatever reason. People whose self-esteem depends on their position in, in the church family. You know, they're the music group that starts to take over. Now, I, I've, I've seen all those things, not, not here at Trinity, but I've seen all those things happen in other churches, and it damages people. Now, the Bible isn't saying that everyone who, who, who makes a mistake and who hurts someone else is an unbeliever. Far from it. And, and, and many of the people who fall into these kind of traps are not unbelievers at all. They turn back, turn back to God. But there is so much danger of being a false Christian leader who's only really serving themselves. There's so much to be wary of. We need to be careful. But then there's so much joy, so much joy in faithful and wise service. And I just wonder if we could be people like that, you know? Uh, it is doubly hard at the moment. It is doubly hard. Someone said to me just this week, 
that they're finding serving incredible, try, trying to get back into serving at church, and they're just finding it incredibly hard. They know in their minds that they did it once, but they just have no idea where to begin again. And I, I feel that. You know, I know how hard it can be, but baby steps, yeah? Baby steps. And maybe we can serve someone this week with our words. We can serve someone with our words. Just, I don't know, a text that's going to help someone and encourage them. Uh, maybe we can serve someone this week with our money. Uh, just by being generous, by giving cheerfully, uh, by helping out people who are in need. Perhaps we could do that. Or maybe we could serve someone just with our presence. I mean, sometimes it's, it's enough to just go and sit with someone or... Um, just coming to church, I think people really underestimate this, just coming to church and being here is a real encouragement to other Christians. Just showing your face, you don't have to say anything. Just people will be pleased to see you. Please don't underestimate that. Make it a priority. We're serving someone with our time and our energy. And uh, you know, the needs at Trinity, we need people to serve in the crash, we need people to serve with the explorers, people to help with the welcoming, Maybe in time, see if you can fill one of those gaps. Or if we come and uh, tap you on the shoulder, please think about it seriously. It seems, it, it seems strange to me this week, as I've been reading through this passage, that there is such a close connection between something seemingly so small and something so incredibly large. You know, just uh, cooking a bit more lasagna... And taking it round to someone's door. I mean, that's quite a small thing, isn't it? Um, pushing buttons on the PA desk, if that's, if that's what you're good at. Or just giving someone a kind smile. And, and that's connected with, these, with this incredible reward in heaven. It seems out of proportion, doesn't it? That God should treat us that well. But that's how powerful God's grace really is. You know, the end of the world is coming. The end of the world is coming. And when it does, then people who've served the servants of God in however many small ways will be told, well done, good and faithful servant by their master and friend, Jesus Christ himself. And that is something to look forward to. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Father God, I pray we'd keep watch. I pray we'd be careful. I pray we'd see the events of the future, which will definitely unfold, and we'll make sure that we're ready for that unexpected day. Um, Father, I pray that we'd have made peace with you, because we know it'll be a day of radical division and, uh, and, and total destruction. And I pray to you, Father, we look for those opportunities to serve your people. We wouldn't resist a kind thought when it comes to um, serving people that we know from church, other Christians. Uh, maybe just a smile or a text uh, or a meal or um, a bunch of flowers, just helping them out. Um, please, Father, help us take those baby steps back towards serving. Uh, you know, Father, how much we might have got out of um, the habit. And I just pray, Father, you'd help us help point us back in the in the right direction thank you father so much you give us the grace
to uh, serve uh, our brothers and sisters. And then you reward us uh, for showing uh, that service. I pray for we'd have that distinctiveness of servant-hearted faith. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.